I'm excited. I'll tell you why I'm excited, because it is the start of a new quarter. It's the start of a new month. And for many, it's also the start of a new financial year. Now, I missed you last week. I missed you last week. I didn't put an episode out because I was down with the damn COVID. The gift that keeps on giving, it wiped me out. I had every intention, but I just had no voice. I could not speak. And the guest that we had booked in for last week is joining us next week. So it is an incredible episode that we were going to be recording. But I'm back. I'm feeling great, actually. I actually went to the gym today. I was a bit tired. But I'll tell you what, I was able to tick the box. I'm feeling really good. But I'm also feeling really excited about the second half of 2022 and what the second half represents for many of us, right? In a world where if you do listen to the news, if you do watch the news, the first thing I can say is absolutely stop listening, stop watching. I mean, I don't listen to it because I tell you what, there's enough negative sentiment, there's enough negative talk about, you know, the changing economy, downturn in economy, etc. And for me, I'm sort of saying, hey, no economic climate is going to stop me from achieving my goals. And for you as a sales professional, no economic climate is going to stop you from achieving your goals. So before we get into today's episode, in today's episode, we're going to talk about all things outreach in a declining economy. If people are saying that the economy is slowing down, this is where you need to be proactive. You need to really put in place your outreach strategy so that you can be proactive in generating more pipeline so that the economic climate doesn't impact your performance. But just check the show notes as well at the end of this episode because I want you to check out the ebook, which is on mindset. It's got some incredible strategies that will help you really think about setting yourself up, the foundation for success, setting yourself up so that you can have a massive 2022 end the last six months. It's six months. It's actually, it's under six months now. Use this time, download the ebook. It's got some great strategies. It's got a calculator. It'll help you build your sales plan so that you can really make 2022 an unforgettable year for the right reasons, okay? So jump in there. Also, check out the Sales IQ community. We've got incredible guests coming up. We've got the high-performance, ex-high-performance coach of the New York Yankees joining us this week, talking all things high-performance. It's available to you as a listener to the Sales IQ podcast, as somebody who I care about because I'm here to help you be the best sales professionals you can be. You have access to additional content. You just got to click the link. There is no payment to access there is a free part of our community that I would love for you to come in, have a chat to us. And there's there's a whole range of content. There's hours and hours. There's priceless amounts of content there to help you be the very best sales professional you can be. This podcast is brought to you by the Create Pipeline program from Sales IQ Global. This program will equip you with the skills, tools, and confidence to run an outbound strategy so you can generate more qualified opportunities and close more deals. Hear what Alice from DocuSign has been able to achieve since joining the program and our incredible community. So my name's Alice and I work at DocuSign as an EBR. And the, the reason I started Sales IQ was because I really needed that, that guidance and that training to make sure that the outreach that I was doing was hitting the nail on the head. So I was lucky enough to, to start the program early on in, in this role. And since then, I've been pretty successful. And last quarter, I finished on 185%. So I've seen some huge results by adopting the principles. Our next cohort is starting soon. So to learn more, go to www.salesiqglobal.com. Or if you have a team of sellers, talk to us about our in-house offering. Control your pipeline, control your destiny with Sales IQ. So, I've had enough rambling. You're probably going, Luigi, 
I know it. I hear it. Okay. Tell me a bit about this week. So this week we have Ricky. We have Ricky Pearl as our guest. Now, Ricky runs. He's going to tell you a bit about himself, but he runs a business that helps companies generate pipeline, right? That's what he does. He does it. That's, his, that's what his company does. So I thought, you know what? I was talking to Ricky recently. I thought, Ricky, come on the show. Let's talk about, let's show, you know, let's talk about your proven process, the strategies that you implement that help you generate pipeline, not just for you, but for your clients, for companies that pay you to do pipeline generation activities for them. So this is going to be a great episode. Ricky's going to step out the process that he goes through when setting up an effective campaign. So there's a lot of positive takeaways. And as always, guys, please, would love a rating, would love a like, would love a review on the podcast player you listen to because the more positive feedback we get from you, the more people we can influence in a positive way. And if you're a long-time listener, I just want to say thank you. You know how grateful I am for coming on, for hearing the content that I put together, for engaging with the content that I put together because I put this content to help you. And if you're new to our show, thank you for joining us. I'm excited that you've joined us and I hope you find this episode valuable because I put this content together to help you be the very best sales professional you can be. Welcome to the show, Ricky. Thank you for having me. Yeah, man, pretty pumped. And actually, just for our listeners who might not be watching this right now, um, and one of the things that you'll learn about Ricky when I when I push you to his LinkedIn profile is some of the content that he shares. He shares content talking about topics around outbound and a whole variety of different sales topics, walking on his treadmill. And Ricky is actually walking on his treadmill now. So for Ricky, I am proud to say you are the first guest that have joined us on the Sales IQ podcast, walking and talking, mate. So welcome to the Sales yep. IQ podcast. Thank you. So it's a great walk and talk, right? Do <laughs> Have interesting conversations and try to get healthy at the same time. <laughs> Got to multitask, yeah. Got to multitask. That's right, especially if you know we're in sales, man, and we're working long long hours and we're we're doing what's needed to get the job done. But mate, I want to say thanks for jumping on. But before we get into today's topic and talk all things outbound and how we turn on an outbound strategy so that we can create more pipeline for ourselves, yeah. Tell us a little bit about how you started in the wacky world of selling. I think sales really. It started with me developing the sales attributes, like being a salesperson. And, and it, mm. it really, I think, is one of those origin stories. Like I was super naughty as a kid. And I'm talking like, you know, very, very young, very early days getting into things I shouldn't do. And I think I learned how to convince people, how to convey a story, and how to get out of trouble. Yeah, I think that was really the first thing I started selling. And you know, that's that kind of taught me the attributes. It wasn't the wasn't what I loved though that's the tactics I love the strategy yeah. of it and when I started my own businesses I realized the product part is actually pretty easy you can have a good product now what and as a business owner most of the time I spend selling yeah but that's that's what you have to do as a founder as a business owner you're either selling the vision you're selling the mission or you're selling the product mm. and really that just you know developed into me falling in love with sales sales processes and developing that as my superpower. Yeah, awesome, man. And do you mind me asking, you talk about those attributes. What are the attributes that you define that make up a sales professional? Just, you know, it, it's a tough one. And I can give you all of those standard wanky terms of like <laughs> empathy, you know, <laughs> resilience. But, you know, the, there's a mix. And I don't think there's any one, two or three. Yeah. You know, I think some of it is like 
Resilience is definitely one of it, but strong mental fortitude, emotional maturity, mm. uh, knowing where your weaknesses are and being able to compensate, yeah. um, knowing where your strengths are and being able to play to them. I, I think those are things that are really underrated. Yeah. You could be shy, you could be quiet, you could be introverted, you could be extroverted, you could be dry, or you could have like a very flamboyant sense of humor. Like all of those can work. Mm if you know how to use your attributes. And I think you're interested, but, but I think what you said, like I, I really like that. I've never actually had that sort of conversation with anyone or response, but I think understanding your strengths and weaknesses, I think is a, is a really, really important, is an important point you make for sales professionals because you're right, the extrovert, introvert, one isn't better than the other. I know early in my career, it was the extrovert, the flamboyant, the outgoing personality was what a lot mm. of people looked for, right? Yeah. And that's like your classic salesperson, like on the floor. Yeah. You know, like you're in retail, you're talking to 100 people a day. Like yeah. maybe maybe better to be extroverted there. But as mm. soon as you're beyond that. Yeah. But I think I think the reality though, as we've as we've as the profession has evolved, yeah data literacy, search, like when we think about some of these key attributes, these weren't things that people looked for 20 years ago. It wasn't something data literate. Uh, well, what does my sales team need to be data literate? But today data, yeah. understanding data, being able to look through data, being able to turn data into insight and uh, education is absolutely fundamental. It is a very different ball game. The skill sets you need to be a successful sales professional these days, you know, I mean, out, like talking about outbound specifically, yeah. You know, you come to the sales world and all of a sudden you're looking at like the technicals of email configuration and server configurations so that that email can even be delivered. Yeah. You know, things have generally shifted. It used to be that that loose-lipped, fast-tongue kind of salesperson who could talk you into a pretzel. But now it's how sophisticated is your writing? You know, can you construct a good a good email? Can you can you put together a good document, a good briefing? Yeah, you know, how well can you articulate someone's problem in a business case, in a well-structured business case? Like it is a lot more sophisticated, yeah. and the skill sets required have completely shifted. So this is awesome, man, and I think uh, I think we're gonna have a really lot of fun, and in in the time that we've got today, Ricky, and I've been been pumped to be able to to share some of your concepts with my listeners. But I just want to talk a bit about why my listeners should really think about your point of view. So at at, at the moment, you run Pointer. Now, can you tell me, yeah. or can you tell us? exactly what pointer do because i think that'll bring to life exactly why sure i've brought you on to talk about outreach so i mean pointer has this great like this origin story of really trying to help people yeah it used to be good enough that you could be the best mechanic in an area and your workshop would be full right you just have to be good at doing something or have a good product yeah nowadays if you don't understand you know, how to advertise on Meta and on TikTok and how to do all of these other sophisticated sales and marketing motions, your business might fail. Yeah. And so I wanted to help businesses thrive. Right? I understood how to do sales. I understand how to do outbound, how to start conversations, particularly that top of funnel, those early stages within a business. And I thought if I could help people overcome those barriers and help them thrive, then I can thrive too. And this could be like a win-win situation for everyone i get to do what i'm passionate about and help people fulfill their dreams yeah which is incredible so we started pointer it's focused on that top of funnel that outsourced business development outsourced sales development rep kind of a role where we're doing the real dirty work that grind that most people don't want to do the yeah. cold emails 
cold calling, cold outbound in general, starting conversations with people who could use our customers' products. Yep. Okay. So I hope that brings for all my listeners, man, I hope that kind of shares exactly why we've got you on, right? Because that's your business. You people outsource the business development function to you so that you yeah. can create top of funnel pipeline for them. Yeah. And, and now we've seen this across every industry, every from service of like small to medium businesses within healthcare through to yeah. massive SaaS, you know, tech startups in every industry. So like we really understand now and have developed this expertise around how to how to build that function well. Yeah. All right, so this is good, right? So I want to now I want to take two scenarios. The first scenario is because yeah. you're working across different different sectors and you're applying your own methodology. The scenario I want us to to walk through is a campaign that you might have recently executed or recently run for a client yeah. that delivered results. Can you walk us through your process, your playbook? You know what you sure. did to get to get use outreach as a mechanism to drive more pipeline. Sure. Where did you start? I'll start off by saying there's no magic yeah. in in business development, right? That's that's what everyone's looking for. They're looking for some some pill that they can take that takes the pain of outbound <laughs> away. And yeah. it just doesn't exist, right? Like there's a human problem to outbound, which is that we don't like rejection. And there's a lot mm -hmm. of deep psychological concern, like challenges there. There's also yeah. a, a massive technological issue now that you could be fine with all of that, but if you can't get an inbox, get your email to land in an inbox, it's like, you know, I don't, I don't know what's, what P rating you have on this podcast, so, but it's like <laughs> pissing into the wind, right? Like you just, <laughs> you, you, you're getting nowhere. So we, when we set up a campaign, we, we've got a standard methodology, a very simple playbook of who do you want to talk to? Mm. Who, who has a problem that you can solve? Yeah. And we spend a lot of time on that because if you get that right... You know, like if you come and say, hey, Ricky, do you need a home loan? And I don't need a home loan. You could, you could talk to a billion Rickies who don't need home loans and you're just spinning yep. your wheels getting nowhere. Or you could talk to me when I've just bought a piece of land and I'm considering building, mm. you know, and saying, hey, I assume you're going to be building soon. You, you know, what are your finances like? Do you need help? All of a sudden you're in a conversation, right? So if you find the right person at the right time, everything else is easier. Yeah. So we always got to start with that. Who do we want to be talking to? Whose problems are we solving? And the more detailed, the more nuanced, the deeper we go there, the more successful the campaign is always. Yeah. Right? Now we've got to say, all right, these are people we want to talk to. What are we going to be saying to them? Like what's the message? Now obviously there's technical issues. There's a lot of challenges in that list build. Now there's yeah. the messaging, a marketing issue. What are we going to say? Most founders come to us, they want to talk about the product. And so we have to start them off saying, nobody wants to talk about you. They want to talk about themselves. So let's, yep. let's flip this. Let's talk about the problem that you're solving. Like, hey, Ricky, I assume you're going to be building, you know, this is going to be the biggest expense in your life over the next 30 years. Yeah. If, if we could help take some of that pressure off you by getting you better rates, would that be interesting? Right? Like, mm. that's interesting to me. I don't know what yep. your interest rate is. I don't even know what the product is yet. You're just saying, hey, if I can make this less stressful for you, would you be interested? So that messaging is super important. And once you have that messaging, it's like, well, how are we going to have this conversation? Is it over yep. email? Is it over LinkedIn? Is it over a phone call? But you've got various channels to have the conversation. No, I just want to go back. This is actually really good, right? So I'm, I'm, I'm going to break this down. I'm going to break this down step by step. So the first step that you're, you're talking about 
is really understand defining your target market first. Really giving yeah. consideration to the target market and who within that market that we want to be talking to and yeah. why, right? And build up from there. Yep. Then the second step is all about understanding message. So problem v product. So instead of going out with a product and saying this is what we do, let's actually focus on the problem that you help people solve. And the fourth yeah. step is all around your channel assessment. Which channel are you going to be using and leveraging to engage with your target market? Yeah. So I'm, I'm liking how you know, you're stepping this out. But I just want to go back a step because I think something that you said earlier on when we were speaking about that data literate sales professional, yeah. you spoke about email structuring, server structuring, and I, I see this a lot like yourself – Companies not setting themselves up to actually get their emails to deliver, uh, right? Yeah, yeah. Can you just talk us through the, the step zero? Let's call it step zero, right? Yeah. What do we need to do to set our systems up to ensure the emails that we do finally pressed when we press send mm. get through to the other person? This is just something everyone's getting wrong. Here's the concept. Spam phishing emails, scams is like a, a multi, multi-billion dollar problem in this world. So mm -hmm. companies like Google and Microsoft are constantly trying to solve that problem and make their inboxes better experiences. So how yep. do you, essentially they are on a war against unsolicited email. Yeah, right? There's laws competing. There's, there's a whole lot of challenges there. So this is an uphill battle and it's a, and it's a moving feast at the same time. So at the moment, you have to be technically perfect to get emails delivered to the inbox. If it's going through to spam, you might as well not send it. If it's going to the promotions folder, like your, your success rate is, and your promotions folder is the new spam folder, right? <laughs> you have to be in the inbox. Yeah. And this is now a, a criteria of sales is get your emails into the inbox. So you have to be looking at things like your, your technical server side, like your DKIM, your SBF, your DMARC, these like very technical things that have to be configured right yep. in order for your emails to be delivered. On top of that, you've got volume issues, you've got language issues. So this isn't just a technological problem. There's also how your people interact with those emails. Do they just bang out 50 in an hour? Yeah. Right? Or do they, do they send 1,000? You know, like Gmail, technically the limit is 2,000 emails a day. I can promise you now there's no inbox sending out 2,000 emails a day that are getting delivered. So there's a people problem and then there's a procedural problem. Like yeah. how are companies structured to make sure that the emails that these new sales reps are sending ha don't have spam words in it? Mm. You know, like they'll say like, hey, you know, like you don't even realize what the spam words are because that wasn't a skill set that a salesperson needed to know. Yeah, Maybe the marketing manager might know because they've been sending emails for decades. But this now has to filter through to the sales team. So there's a whole lot of people challenges, process challenges and technical challenges now Yeah, at ground zero. Okay, so we're at step zero. You've now blown the mind for many of the sales professionals listening to this going, what the hell is DMARC, DK, this, that, and the other, right? So yeah. Yeah, before, look, I know this is not the episode where we're going to go technically into this, right? But can you maybe share a, a, a URL that you've shared previously sure. that if salespeople want to check if their emails have got spam words, if there are any issues with their emails, what's a URL they can use to check. Sure, we, we can drop some in the show notes. There's like right. Mail Tester, Mail Genius, Mail Meteor, yep. all of these free services. Literally takes you five minutes and can change the course of your, the trajectory of your, of your career. 
because it's yeah. a difference between success or failure if your messages are being delivered or not. Awesome. So we're going to put those in the show notes. I think they're in, and I use them all the time, right? So so for 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 all my listeners, this is actually really important stuff, right? We've got it. We've got it. When we talk about the, the the that planning and is the foundation for success, right? So before we start executing, we've got step zero. We're going to just make sure that we've got everything set up in the background so that we can give out, we can increase the chances of success. So step zero, set your structure up right. Step one, define your market and be very clear on who you're going to be engaging with. Step two is defining the message, making sure that it's problem focused versus product so that you're not pitching your features. It, it, it has to be relevant, right? That's yep. the most important thing. Like everyone's very hyper focused at the moment on personalization. Yep. Hey, Luigi, I heard you, you like to use this particular product in your hair. By the way, what are you doing for your HR payroll solutions? Yep. You know, like that's personalized, but it's mm. not relevant. Correct. So it, uh, that messaging is, is key as well. Absolutely. But yeah. So we show them, we know them, and we make sure it's relevant, right? So the personalization yep. connects to relevance. Then step four is we're going to check our, our, our channel. So which channel are we going to be using? And obviously we advocate an omni-channel approach. Once we do yeah, that, for sure. what's the next step that we have to execute on when it comes time to running an effective outreach strategy? So, so we start looking for conversion. Yep. And at the moment we've made assumptions. We've made assumptions on the, on the audience. We've yep. made assumptions on the message. And then we've made assumptions on the channel. Because we're doing omni-channel, we're calling first, are we emailing first? Are we starting off fast and slowing down? Are we starting slow and speeding up? There's a whole yep. lot of different things. And when you add these variables together, there's like 10 variables on your audience and 10 variables on your message and 10 variables on your cadence. All of a sudden, you have a thousand different variances here and different options of how this is all configured. So now we want to go through a scientific approach of maximizing conversion. So we start off slow. You know, we start off like, send 10 emails. Did we get a response? Mm. No, maybe tweak. All right, send another 30 emails. Did we get a response? Was it positive, negative? Tweak, tweak, tweak. And keep tweaking until you've got the channel right. You know, what we'll find, for example, is we'll start off a campaign and we're realizing shit, emails aren't working yeah. on this campaign. Calls are, are killing it. All right, let's do more calling, less emailing. Mm. Right, like these are, the, these are the things that we do to start maximizing. So we're changing the, the, the cadences, tweaking the message, yeah. and looking for refinements within that audience. So at the same time, we're trying to lift them all up, make a tighter fit, a tighter fit, a tighter fit, and just keep optimizing that campaign. And once that campaign is running smoothly, effectively with high conversion, mm. we pick up the second ICP. All right, okay. great. So now we were calling X, this, this market for this particular pain point. Let's try now pick up the next one. So you're hyper, you're hyper personalizing and you're, you're segmenting. You're becoming very laser focused. And then once you've got yeah. the conversion outcome, you then migrate to other ICP. So I'm absolutely loving this content. Do you mind sharing the importance with our group of your data? So when you've built your ICP and your buyer persona, you know, why they should be really thinking about using data enrichment tools to build that yeah. list out so they have the relevant contact info. Data is like the, you know, data is the new, the new oil. Yeah. It's, uh, it changes everything. Mm. So th th there's so many things that go into the data, right? So firstly, there's just the accuracy of the data. Can I contact you by email, by LinkedIn, by your, your, your mobile number? And we have campaigns, for example, where mobile is 
80% of the meetings we get books will be off a of mobile. Yep. But if I can't get people's mobile numbers, now I have to use email mm. or LinkedIn or some of the other channels. And I know those are less effective channels. Yep. So finding the right data is, lubricates air, the entire motion <laughs> within that yep. data. There's different pieces, right? So like some data easily relevant and targetable and achievable and some of it's much harder and might rely on a trigger or timing. Yeah. Right? So for example, I use that I'm buying a house. Well, you could look at data, hey, this person meets this LSM group. He earns roughly this kind of income or he has this title. He's probably in the property market. He might fit our ICP. Like yeah. that's not very tight. If you could go one level deeper to know that I purchased land, now you've got a much better data, right? Because you're going to be targeting better. If you could go one level deeper to know that the house that I bought is clearly a knockdown, I'm going yeah. to be developing. Now it's even more laser focused. Now yeah. just off that data, you could hyper-personalize and make this, mm. make it relevant without even knowing me. Hey, Ricky, I know you just bought some a land. I'm assuming you're going to develop, right? And that was still all on the research piece. You could probably yeah, go even one step further than that too. So this is good. So now we're talking about becoming more mature in the way that we approach this and look at the trigger events and intent data that allow yep. us to really connect the relevant message to them and hyper-personalize yep. it even further. So I'm absolutely loving this. I think for all of our listeners, we've got from step zero, we're already up to step seven, right? And I love the fact that you talk about testing. Do you mind sharing why testing a campaign or a cadence with a smaller sample group will yield a greater return over the long term. There's two big pieces here and you'll yeah. appreciate this, right? So much of the sales advice comes out of the States. They're <laughs> like, hey, use this human-assisted parallel dialer. You can make a 1,000 calls in an hour. And I'd be like, then who am I going to call the next hour? Because that is my total market here in Australia. <laughs> <Yeah>. Right? Like <laughs> we don't have this, we don't have this market size in most of these countries. Like, yeah, yeah you can just send a thousand emails a day. I'm like, and then I'll and what do I do next week? Like, do I just close <laughs> up my shop? I've spoken to everyone. They all said no. Like, find a new job, yeah. find a new business. So like you have to focus on quality in markets like this. It's more of an account-based marketing motion. Yeah. By default. In, our, in, in, in a market like this. And conversion in outbound, because you don't know where they are in their buy cycle, we'd make that assumption that 3% of the market at any given stage is, is in the market. They're ready to buy. Mm. So if you send out, if you spoke to 100 people, you should succeed with three of them. But 30 of them are willing to entertain the concept. And that's where the real value is. Can you yep. convert up? that extra 30%, can you get them to engage with you? And it's all about maximizing that conversion and not spamming your TAM, your total addressable markets, and just churning through your TAM. Yeah. And companies get this wrong because they see, oh, my sales rep is getting me one meeting a day. That's what I expected from them. But what's the opportunity cost? How many mm. people have said no yeah. in order for them to get that one yes? Yeah. And is that hurting you in the long run? Like, are you bringing forward today and it's going and paying for it tomorrow? Yeah. So increasing conversion is is everything. And at the same time, as a business, you should always be interested in those no's. 
Because if a one in a hundred is saying yes to you, what about the 99? Because mm. you build up those ones, right? You get one in a hundred say yes to you. You build up those into a hundred customers and now you're getting feedback from these hundred customers and you, you're working with your hundred customers to put information back into your product development. But there's actually a hundred thousand who said no to you. Yeah. And if you could build in the features for them, mm. if you could help understand their challenges and you were going more towards getting more people to say yes, that's a much bigger market than the 100 you have. Absolutely. I love what you're talking about, right? Because I think I think for, for anyone that's in an individual, it's just for everyone, right? But I think, you know, as an individual contributor, there's only so many things that we can control. We can't focus on the things that we can't control. But again... Yeah. If I'm running, and this is why I'm a big believer, quality over quantity, right? Mate, Always. I, I've shared my numbers with my audience, Ricky. I sit at around 15 to 25% of people that I reach out to, I'm going to get into a, a booked meeting, yeah? yeah? And am I doing 100 outreaches a day? No, but I don't need to because I do what you say, looking for trigger events. I'm trying to make sure it's relevant. The mm. message is strong. And the point of view that I'm bringing to table, people want to hear. You want to work smarter, not harder. Absolutely. So here's the, if you want to go from 10 to 20, and typically there's a diminishing return on investments on effort. Yeah. Right? So to get that next 10 took, takes more effort than to get the 10 that you've already gotten. And to do the mm -hmm. 10 after that's even more. So as a sales professional, if you're looking to grow... What's your only option? Do more, do more, do more, do more. It's bloody tiring yeah. and you're going to burn out. Absolutely. But if you could do smarter and achieve more by doing less, now you've got efficiency. Yeah. Now you can scale. Now you can do well and thrive. So this is awesome. And I know we haven't gone into the tactical element of making that cold call, structuring that email today. I yeah. think the fact that you've shared your blueprint of, hey, these are some of the key things that we need to do in order to set up an effective outreach strategy. You know, I know that we haven't got much time, but do you mind sharing yeah. with me sort of when you are coming up with that messaging framework, what are yeah. some of the, you know, what are some of the must-haves in your messaging framework? I know you said, you know, you've got to mm. personalise, you've got to show relevance, but can you just give us yeah. an example of what that should sound like so that our sure. listeners can kind of go, you know what, I've got the blueprint now and here's the even structure that I should be using. I'll, I'll go one level higher. So firstly, like we've built out the seven process yep. on this call. My actual to-do list when I set up a new outbound is 197 tasks, right, and 12 different stages, okay. which we achieved normally over two to three months. Like it, yep. there's a lot that goes into this. So when we're talking about emails, here's, here's some of the things that we do a bit differently. Firstly, our first email, we'll normally have four or five different variants going out. Why? Yep. Well, because we're testing. I, I, you know, I'm, not, I'm not a magician. I can't tell you which is going to be the best message. Over time, maybe, but we're testing. And so we can put different structures. It actually makes it easier because if you have to choose a perfect email up front, it's very hard. But yep. if you just have to choose your best five, well, it's actually a bit easier. So we'll put in five variants up front that also does something else incredibly important. It reduces the amount of the same emails going out from your servers or being received by servers. Because that same email going out on, on mass gets flagged as spam. Yep. Each email being unique increases delivery. So we'll always write five of the first email, four of the second email, three of the third, because mm. presumably 
as people are moving through our cadence, they're getting converted, yes or no's, and so less of email four is going out than email one, as an example. Yeah. So that's something we always do in our emails. In terms of the actual wording, I am massive. There's two things I'd do. Go click on your spam folder. Right now, you look at your spam, read all of those emails, whatever those say, don't do that. <laughs> yeah, uh, we got, like, we got heaps of great. That's right. You're, I love this. Like you have examples of what not to do in your junk folder, right? Yeah. I'm looking at, I'm going to go to mine right now, right? Because I, I do this when I'm running courses. And, and it changes. So at the moment, mm. the things that used to work for us in Outbound that were new and novel don't work anymore because it's now been picked up internationally. It's now everyone's doing that. And so now that's all what's, that's being seen as your typical spammer. So you've got to be different. Yeah, absolutely. I've got this. The, the, the Philippines booming economy are driving more Australian. Then I open it and it tells me, do I want outsourced people, blah, 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 blah. I've got, mate, heaps of these emails in my, in my, in my junk folder. So that's a great yeah. strategy for anyone. So there we go. That, that's what not to do. <laughs> so what to do, I, I, I like to think like this. Firstly, what kind of an email do I want to receive? Mm. Right, like I'm a human, I'm a person, I'm a busy professional, so are you, so are the people I'm trying to contact to. Yeah. What do they want to receive? And honestly, I just want it to be short. I want it to be sharp. I want it to be the point. I don't want to like all of this wanky different like, you know, we've been renowned and this whole company history. So we keep it as short as possible. You yeah. Know? Hey, Luigi, you're building out some incredible stuff with Sales IQ. Listen to your recent podcast that had you know, talking about, had Todd Caboni on, bloody, bloody inspirational, loved that mountain, whatever. I might not even go into that much detail, mm. but just to show you that like I'm not some person yeah. like that email you just read outsourcing from the Philippines, so just one line. And it doesn't matter what that one line is. I'm just saying, hey, Luigi, I'm a normal person here in Melbourne. Yeah, That's all I want you to read in my first line. I can't say that, Yeah, but that's what I want you to know. And then I'll just go straight into it, you know? Mm. Like, how are you getting this? Or how are you doing that? Or you're probably struggling with this. 65 words, 125 words is maximum. Yeah. And signed off simply, we normally use no signatures because it decreases delivery. But that's all into the technical stuff. Yeah. Super simple messaging. And I love that. And you know what? You know, I'm a big fan of Will from Lavender who shares some incredible yeah. tips on LinkedIn. Exactly. And he's been on our, our show before. So that would be my my exact thing. Like, yeah, I'm not the email, I'm not the writing expert. Mm. You know, we got a copywriter on our team. But you can use Lavender. You could write your own message. But if you're using a scientific approach of optimizing, mm. then it doesn't really matter what your message is because each week, each fortnight, each month, you're just going to make it better and better and better. Do you know what? This is one of the things that I look, as much as I love Will from Lavender, he talks about 50 words, 11 seconds. Mate, I've sent yep. emails that are 100 words, but because they're very personalized, it's very relevant. Yep. I've got my meeting and, and there we see levels. I've got one, I've got one coming up, yep. 15 minutes that I reach out to the chief commercial officer and I've got the meeting, right? And it wasn't, yep. it wasn't 50 words. It was yep. about 80, 90 words. Okay. There's huge cultural things. A lot of the advice that everyone's getting from these American gurus, and they are exceptional, and yeah. maybe in two years' time we'll need to be following that advice. Culturally, mm. things are different in every country. Absolutely. And you have to be relevant for that mm. country. When I'm prospecting into Japan, if I tried a 65-word email, I'm not getting a response. I could write a 1,000-word email in Japan 
and if it's relevant and to mm. the right person, they will read every single word of it and compose a formal response. But you, you're absolutely right. But in saying that, I prospect into the US, I don't always follow the 50-word rule and I get meetings because, again, for me, I'd rather demonstrate because I'm not doing mass volume. I'm yeah. going, hey, you know, I've, I've, you know, I've got a recent one that I said, hey, I just understand X. I also noticed your competitor is growing X, you know, in yeah. their – this total addressable market, this is what they're doing. I think there's a way for you to achieve X. Bang, Chief Revenue Officer responded within about eight minutes. Amazing. Said, when do you want to meet? Right? So yeah. we could talk about this for hours, Ricky, and I think we've got another episode which we're going to have to get you on. And you know what, mate? I don't have a lot of people that come on twice onto the Sasaki podcast. I think we've only ever had two people come on our show twice, but I think you're a candidate to come on. But oh, mate, geez, that would be that would be an honour. <laughs> yeah, and this time he'll be running, uh, folks. He'll be running on exactly. that Exactly. I'll be going six and a half <laughs> kilometres at least. <laughs> hey, just before we wrap up, where's the best yeah. place for our listeners to engage, find? How can they find you and your walking content? What's the best place? So pretty much on LinkedIn. Yep. Right? Like, that's the best way to, to engage with me. I'm in a lot of the different sales channels, you know, if you can get my phone number off LinkedIn, phone me. Like always, I appreciate a good cold call. Yeah, you know, that's that's how I do my recruitment. I like wait for good cold callers. I'm like, yeah, this person's good, right? Guy, hey, is this call being recorded? Yeah. yeah, yeah. We need you. We need you on the A team. Um, but yeah, LinkedIn's a great place to engage, and like I love it because I want to learn from. I have something to learn from everyone as well. Yeah, awesome, Ricky. Well, mate, I just want to say, you know, obviously we, we're going to put your LinkedIn in the show notes. I want to say, man, I actually do value content. There's been a lot of useful URLs that I've picked up. You've given me food for thought when it comes to my outreach. And this is what I love doing what we do, right? Because I am yeah. only scratching the surface of what's possible. And our Absolutely. listeners are on this. Listeners listen to this show every week because they're trying to be the best they can be. So I want to say thanks for the contribution you make to our community. Well, thank you. And Thank you for the work that you're doing. Like I've taken so much inspiration from your podcast, from the whole, from the whole group. You know, I'd call it a group, but I could also call it an enterprise. Like a, <laughs> the people involved in your network are, are changing the face of sales, and it's fantastic to be close to the action. Yeah. Well, thanks, Ricky. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Cheers. 